So for the last few weeks, we've been talking about following God, pursuing God. The scripture was found in Philippians chapter 3, and the Apostle Paul is getting to the end of his life. But this is what he said in Philippians chapter 3 and verse 12. It says something like this, but he says that, it's not that I've already attained it, neither already perfect, but I follow after that I may apprehend, which is also that I'm apprehended of Christ. It means this. We, we talked about this week one. I'm trying to lay hold of God because God has already got a hold of me. When we began this thing weeks ago, we said this, this. This is the beginning stage that God always knows us, but we really don't know who he is. You get born again, and, 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 but God already knows you. He knows everything about you. In Jeremiah 1 and 4, the Apostle Paul says it. David talks about it. But he says, Jeremiah says, before you was in the womb, I knew you. Before you come out, I already called you to be a prophet. God knew everything about him. There are certain men in the Bible who said some things that you, you overlook. But it has everything to do with, with God's calling and predestination upon their lives. And one thing that I say to you about grace that I've learned in 30 years, grace doesn't make you great, it makes you grateful. And when you hear things that I say to you, that, that predestination and, and divine election, you may want to run the other way, but once you understand that divine calling, it, it humbles you more than it, 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 it makes you arrogant. Who is God that he was, David said, who, who, is, who is man that you're mindful of? Who am I? So the idea that we've talked about, this word follow is diakos, where we get a word for a professional pursuer. It's a trapper or a fisherman. It could even be a bounty hunter, but a professional trapper or, or, or fisherman, not for recreation, but for occupation. And Paul said, my life depends upon it. And so he says, I'm following God, I'm pursuing God, because I'm trying to lay hand on God or apprehend it, one translation said, because I know that God has already apprehended me. He has his hand on me. So the idea is this. It's not like he's trying to pursue God physically. He's trying to pursue God on a spiritual means. Because it blows our mind for you to understand, I'll tell you that God loves you. And if I would say that God loves Virgil, you would say, yeah, Virgil is, is a perfect guy. But for me to say that God would love Mike, choose you, Mike. We had three Mikes here, I so. saw. That would blow your mind because you, 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 you know all your defaults on the inside. And so Paul says, of all the things, and this is what he said, I prayed three times, the Lord take this thorn in the flesh out of me. And the thorn in the flesh was, was, was a mental, psychological problem that he had because he murdered and incarcerated thousands of people. You know, I'm not making light of this, but one time, Gayla ran over a squirrel years ago. Yeah. And she liked it, missed it, but she swerved and she got it. But that thing kind of got wrapped up in the wheel and wrapped up under the bumper. You know what it sounds like, doo -doo -doo -doo, like a cat in a dryer. And, and I know that from experience, a cat in a dryer. But, but it psychologically does something to you. It messes you up. My father was involved in a car wreck right in front of Stippy's Beer Joint in Hilton, Oklahoma. It was a two-lane road. A guy crossed the center median. They were both doing 70 miles an hour, hit my dad head on, Killed the other gentleman and really messed my dad up. Killed him. It was his fault. He was a little inebriated when he pulled him to the bear joint. And I will tell you, it took my dad years to go back to the speed limit. To ride with my dad, he was a little paranoid. He, he, was, he was paranoid about everything. And so I kind of understand that. So the idea is this, this pursuing God. The Apostle Paul is saying that I'm trying to lay hold on the things of God, because I know for a fact that God has already got hold of me. This morning, I can't say for everybody, but I can say for most everybody, that you understand the concept that by grace that God has already called you and laid his hand on you. And I wish to say that that is good enough, and it probably is, but, but I will tell you there, there's a step past that, is the lay hold of God who has already got laid hold of you. He said, I want to know him. I want to know him in the power of his resurrection. I just don't, don't want to know about him. I want to know him. And I think it would behoove us, every one of us that's been saved more than three days, that this would be the cry of our heart, that we want to know him. So this morning, we're moving. Today's transitioning day. 
we're potty trained almost, you know, it's a big deal. If you don't think potty training's a big deal, you hadn't raised kids in a long time. Potty training is a big deal. And, and Alex is well on his way. Now, we have a little mess up every once in a while, but he's got it down. And his mom is a happy woman. We're transitioning. We're moving. We're moving from signs to sounds. We're moving from tracks to tones. So we begin this analogy of someone that may be deer hunting or turkey hunting. You can just choose whatever, and I don't do either. But, 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 but what happens first is that you, you begin to study their habits and their feeding habits and where they walk. And we begin this weeks ago, dealing with God. Find out his habits. Where does he walk? Where does he lead? Where does he feed? Where can I find him? I know we say God is everywhere, but when's the last time you really experienced him? I mean, really, when's the last time that you knew that he was near? All right. So then we begin this journey about following him. Then, so we found out there's places that he goes and he waters and he feeds and he leads. And so we started following his tracks. So we went through this for about six weeks. And now then we're moving. We're still pursuing him, but now then we're moving from just signs to sounds. And we're moving from just following tracks that we hear something. And this is the indicator. When, when you're pursuing something, and we're going to say turkeys or deer, whatever you want to say, but when you're pursuing something and, and, and you're following these tracks, and we've said this all along, it's very important that you know the difference between the footprint of a grizzly bear and the footprint of a gopher. That's pretty important. But the idea now is that, that you're following tracks and sounds and, and signs and and, and indicators through the scriptures, but for the first time, you hear something. Now, Jordan probably has one, but I don't have it with me, so I'm not going to go through this, but, but I kind of Googled this for children that had this implants put in their, their brain system, and they hear it for the first time. It'll bring you to tears. These babies that were born deaf, and because of surgical implants that for the first time they put them in the room and for the first time they've seen their mother, they've seen their father, but for the first time their mother said something for the first time and their eyes light up like saucers. It's amazing. And Isaiah 37 says that give me the ear of the learned that I may have the tongue of the learned that I may know how to correctly speak to someone who is weary in their season. And he puts this in the correct order. Anyone that has a hearing deficiency will always have a speech impediment. It's so important that we've got to hear good first. We've got to hear correctly first. And if you don't hear correctly, then your speech will be impeded. You won't be able to pronounce syllables. Your phonics will be messed up. And so the idea that we're not going to spend much time with this today, but we're moving from sounds we're, we're just leaving tracks. And for the first time, that maybe we're hearing something. And once you hear God, things change. And like I told you, the video of the old whatever, it's an old black and white video, and the audience is laughing, and they're slapping their back of their hand and all this stuff, and the guy's on stage telling something, but the sound is off. So you get the idea by looking at this that evidently what he's saying is pretty funny and it's pretty hilarious, but for, for unfortunately, you're not hearing it. And so what I say to you, that the churches are filled with people that have not yet heard his voice yet. They may be following signs, they may be following trackage, they may be following, but I'll tell you, the difference is once he opens up the ear of your spirit and lets you hear something, things change. Now, we know what the Scripture says this, that we're born spiritually dead. Now Romans 5 and 12 said we're born spiritually dead, but we're born dead. Spiritually dead. But listen to what Jesus said. It's found in St. John chapter 10, verse 4. And so he talks about the porter. He says, talk about himself. Then when he put forth his own sheep, he, Jesus, go before them, and the sheep know him, for they know his voice. Now, I've been telling you stories, and I'm going to tell you a story here in a little bit, a few minutes. 
But this is the idea that it's so important for us as, as, as New Testament believers to understand that it's not just the letter of the law, but it's the life of the Spirit. But the life of the Spirit blending in with the letter of the law makes us mature and complete. So you, you, have, you, have, you have both spectrums. You have people that are so filled with the Spirit and, 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 and you just hit one note on the piano and they're running around the building and, and, and I'm good with that. Whatever you want to do. But they know nothing about the Word. Then you have people that know some things about the Word, but I will tell you, there's no life in them at all. The life of the Spirit. So what happens is, is it that... These two, the Bible says in the book of Acts, it says signs and wonders follow them, watch this, confirming the word. So I said from the very beginning of this thing, the reason why I'm telling you certain stories, because this is the deal. Whether you like it, don't like it, appreciate it, don't agree, it doesn't matter. I will tell you that God validated and punched my ticket years ago in the spirit, way before I stood upon this platform to talk to you about biblical principles. I'm not a life coach, I'm not a mentor. I, I, I am a, a man that has been called by God, signs and wonders. I've seen him, experienced him, walked in him, and I just happen to be doing this here at the moment. But I can do other things. And so it, it's, not, it's not the Bible says, and I, I told you last week, and Paul said, if there's any boasting, I don't boast in myself. I'm just boasting in Christ. But I'm telling you, I just don't think, I didn't wake up one day and say, hey, it'd be a great deal for me to start a church. That's the last thing on planet earth I wanted to do. Turn to somebody and say, you're not the easiest person to get along with. Tell them that. So this is the deal. He said the key is, he said that how will his sheep know him is not through sight, but he'll know his voice. And having the ability, and all through the scripture, this is what it says, he that has an ear, let him hear. He that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says. I will tell you this, that we're going to get into distinguishing sounds, but not today. But I will tell you, the second step into this following God and pursuing God is this, is having the opportunity to hear him speak to you. So I told somebody the other day, they said, well, and this is the truth, they said, well, where did you learn to speak? I said, behind the steering wheel of a truck shifting 18 years. It's true. I was pursuing God. So in this transition, this is what I want to say to you, that if it's a very weary thing. Have you ever been in an argument with your spouse? I haven't. Ben? Have you ever been in an argument with your spouse and you know she's right because she said she was right, but besides that, but there was a little friction and tension involved. Go ahead, Ben. Yeah. So even though you're in the same house, and, and even though that you're bypassing one another, but the fellowship and the communion's gone. And even though you're wearing the ring and the marriage license is still on the wall for a moment, but it's not the same. I feel sorry for every one of you that, that, that even though that you are saved and, and your ticket is punched to go to heaven, I congratulate you for that, but I will tell you, you're missing this whole thing of what the life of Christ is all about. He said, I've come to give you life and life abundantly. And how do you do that? It's having a relationship, knowing his voice. So knowing his voice. And so if you've got a message Bible, it says having a familiar voice. I'll promise you this. But she never has to say, you know, even, even if it didn't come up, Dan, she didn't say, hey, this is Gala. I think I would know you by now after 40 years. 40 years next month. A familiar voice. You see that? What I'm trying to get you to see is that we follow signs and we're following trackings and we're pursuing God. But the first time that you hear God, it's an indicator to let you know you're getting close. I'm getting close. In a few weeks before I retire, we're going to get to sight. But for the next few weeks, we're going to talk about sounds. I hear him. I know his voice. And I understand it's him. When Jeremy was born, I told you this, and I'm going to go here in a minute, but when Jeremy was born, 
he was supposed to have been born in about November or October. I don't know. They, who knows back then. He was about three weeks late. He was born the day after Christmas. So we had Christmas dinner, and, and so I told Gail, I said, if you don't have him before the first year because our income tax will get you in trouble, you're going to have this baby before 31st of December. We're going to go jogging. We're doing something, exercising. He's coming out. I'm going to tell you right now. He's overdue two and a half weeks. So sure enough, in the middle of the night, she said, we got to go. You know, we got to go. I said, are you sure? She goes, I'm sure. She looked like a busted radiator in a 60, 55 Chevy going through the parking lot. And so we, we, we get in there, and the process happens and save a lot of... He weighed nine pounds, three ounces. Big one. I know. And when, they, when, when he came out, he was screaming bloody murder. Screaming. And he's been screaming ever since. And he'd been in, in, in the capsule so long, his little head was pointed. I thought, that's the ugliest child I've ever seen in my life. His little head was pointed. Boy, I mean, he finally came out, and boy, he was screaming, and the doctor picked him up and slapped him, and he was screaming. Then he handed it to the nurse, and the nurses were prowling around on this, pricking him with a needle and giving an imprint, and he was screaming. And, and then they was wiping him down. You know, that, that birth comes with that other stuff. And so... They were, had a water hose. They was cleaning him up. This is a G-rated sermon. And, and, and he was screaming, and he was screaming, and screaming. And so they handed him to a woman that took his footprint, and he was screaming. So finally I said, well, hand him to me. So they handed him to me, and uh, I think he wet on me. He had water going everywhere, and he was still screaming. And so they were doing some work to Gail, and, and they wouldn't comb her hair, but they were doing some work on her and the... Oh, I don't know, four, five, six minutes it went by, you know, and oh, he hadn't let up. He was screaming less. He was screaming bloody murder. And after, after the, I had him, I said, here, you had him here. And I laid him on Gala's chest. And I'm telling you, immediately, she whispered something to his ear, and immediately, he quit crying. And I looked at Gala and him like you're looking at me. I, I don't mean, I don't mean, I don't mean she threatened him or she whispered something to him and him not knowing any form of English, Spanish, or Choctaw. And she pulled him up and she said, she whispered. I watched her whispered something in that baby's ear, laying on her chest, and he went, <sighs> See, the problem that we have as born-again Christians, you're waiting for somebody to prophesy over you with a prophecy in English, saying what the Lord says to you. I say unto you, arise. And I will tell you, God still knows how to speak to his people and it may not be in English, Cherokee, Choctaw, Spanish. It may not be in any physical form of language that you're familiar with, but you're familiar, watch this, he was familiar with her voice. Anybody here besides me carried a child for nine months? Well, that's a lie. I didn't carry no child. All pregnant women knows this. You're carrying this child around for about nine or ten months. You talk to this baby. Now, I know there's people today, that, I don't, I'm not sure what, I've been watching a series of cops. Don't ever watch cops. And people, when, when you think your life's messed up, go watch cops. You're in good shape. Kind of like hoarders. When you think your house is in bad shape, go watch hoarders. Your house is in great shape. But she'd been talking to this child when no one was around. And him not knowing English or Spanish or any other wordage, but she knew her tone. And even though that he was transitioned into another dimension, and there's a lot of squealing and carrying on, but when he got into the presence or into the tone of the one that he knew for the last nine months, he quieted just down, just as still as he could be. See, what I'm after, after you is this. I'm talking about sounds. I'm not asking God to blow a trumpet or blow a horn or a bazooka to get you reared up. I'm asking God to calm you down. 
I'm asking God to give you peace. I'm asking God to calm you. You had to bury someone prematurely. You had to experience a, a horrible divorce. You had to go through some things. And I will tell you right now, what you need more than anything is to be in the presence of a familiar voice that you're familiar with. And maybe you don't even know why you're familiar with it, but when he speaks to you, he will calm you. And I know that from experience. And I will tell you, about nine-tenths of the time, I have no idea what he's saying. I just know he's saying something. Now, as we go on through the years, as we go on, that we begin to understand syllables and sounds, and as we grow mature in Christ, we, we learn to, but we're, 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 back to, we're back to step two in this thing. We're, we're new beginners. We just, we're just brand new at this. But to hear and to understand the sound of God, his voice, it's a familiar. And, and when I say it's familiar, that, it, that it's a familiar because of tones and vibrations. Let's show Isaiah chapter 30 before we quit. I got to tell you a story. Isaiah chapter 30 says this, And though the Lord gives you the bread of adversity and the water of affliction, but does that sound right? Doesn't that sound familiar? The Lord. The devil had nothing to do with this. You've been rebuking the devil, and God said it never was the devil. He said, he said, gives you the, the bread of adversity and the water of affliction. It seems like every day of your life, it's something. Every day of your life, it's either your kids, your grandkids, your job, your bosses, your co-worker. It's, it's every day, it's something. Something. And even though the Lord allows this to happen to your life, watch this. Yet your teachers will not be moving to the corner anymore. Boy, this word teachers is, is we'll talk about it next week. But your eyes shall see your teachers. This is referring to the Holy Spirit. Next verse, please. Then your ears shall hear a word behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. Whenever you turn to the right hand or wherever you turn to the left. This is unbelievable. Isaiah is talking about something about the Holy Spirit. Remember what Jesus said, when the Spirit of truth shall come, he shall do what to you? Teach you. And he said, your teacher's in a corner. It means behind the corner. He's not hiding from you. The book of Isaiah, some 400 years before Christ, he's looking down the scope of time. He said, the day will come. That even though right now in this situation that your bread is of adversity and your water is affliction and nothing's going right, but the day will come when the Holy Spirit will speak to you and you'll hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way. Because unfortunately, most of the church world is looking for somebody that's a traffic cop standing in front of a pulpit to give you directions where to go. And I will tell you, I can just take you so far. Let me say this. Let me just say this. Has anybody here been to Hawaii? I'm not even talking to you. <laughs> so evidently, ev evidently, so I'm, 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 I understand what I'm about to tell you, but if, if let's say, unless you've been to Hawaii, so let's say you're going to go back, and I said, Les, I'd like to take you, free of charge. And you go, that sounds like a deal. So I load him up in the back of that Lincoln, and off we go. And we're just having a great time until we get to the west coast of California. And when we get to the west coast of California and we run into a body of water, I look at him and say this, this is as far as I can take you. And if you're going to go to Hawaii, you have a couple of options. You can swim or you're going to have to take another vessel to get you there. See, pay attention to me. I can just take you so far. I can just take you so far. I can just physically take you so far. I can teach you the Word of God. I can teach you the principles. I can teach you this. I can teach you how this snaps together. And, and I can get you so close, but I can just take you so far. And I don't have the ability in the Spirit to take you where only God can take you. And if you want to go to Hawaii, then you're going to have to take another vehicle to get you there. 
So the idea of this, of knowing God's voice and hearing his God's voice and understanding tones and sounds. See, some of you has always known God and you don't know how you've known him. Some of you knew God when you was a, a toddler and you didn't know how you knew him because you weren't raised in a, a godly home. Some of you would weep at night even when with bread was your adversity and water was your affliction, but still deep down, something was speaking to you that was louder than the problems that was coming against you. Way before you entered into the house of God, God entered into your heart. And he was saying some things to you. He was speaking to you. And some of you, and I won't call you by name, but God was speaking to you while you was a teenager and you were doing your very best to run against that voice, but you can't outrun it. So he said, my sheep know my voice. They're familiar with it. They understand the tones. They know it's me. So for the past six or seven weeks, I've been talking about little things that's happened to me along the way. I'm going to write a book, and a lot of you are in it. Some of you may want to read it before I release it, but uh, I put Boya's picture on the front of it. That didn't work good, so I took it off. But, but I've been talking about experiences that actually happened in my life way before here. And I found out through the years that it, it was seasonal. Because this is what I will tell you, that the Bible says the spirit of the prophet is subject to the prophet, but Corinthians 12 says that, that God gives certain officers separately as God wills. I, I have no control over it. Oh, prophet, this is what he said about Capernaum. He's talking about Jesus. He said, cast yourself down. Physician, heal yourself. See, they were trying to get Jesus into a place where he was doing things that really wasn't being led by God. This is what I say to you, that, that certain things has happened in my life through the years coming up, but I, I, I've never duplicated them. But I can verify that it actually happened. And I prayed for a lot of people, and they died. I've asked God to do a lot of things, and, 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 and it went south. But there are occasions that things, when I first hit the thing, was right. Kind of like playing golf. Your first hit on a golf club, it goes in the hole, hole in one. I'll tell you, that's, 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 that's not likely the second shot or the third shot or the 16,000 shot. So God allows things to happen to our lives, severally as he wills, only to verify and validate what he's doing in your life. Let me back that up, what he's doing in my life. Because I can't speak for you, but I can't speak for me. So a long time ago, about 1988 and some change, I was going to a small church and really knew nothing about the Bible. And, and I felt a tone that God had called me to come start a church in Ardmore. I felt it. I can't say that I heard it, but I heard it on the inside. So I did. We started a little church, had six, seven, eight, ten people at the most, and and, and we stayed at this mall, and then we, we moved. We moved over on Gene Grand and so on. So, so I, the, the church has only been in operation just for a few months, and, and I knew nothing about it. I, I, I loved God, though. I knew that. And there were some people in our church that was named Greg and Linda Mitchell, and they're from Long Grove. And Linda Mitchell has passed away since a year or so ago. So they were going to church with us over here on this Gene Grand business, and we'd been to church for about a few months, not long. And I was still, Virgil, I was still in the toddler business. I was still kind of following God with unskilled legs, wobbly legs. But I was following God. I loved him. And uh, so Linda told Gayla and I, she said, well, Linda told Gayla, she said, her dad, is in Denison Hospital, going to have surgery. Now, my wife will fill in all the blanks. I'm not for sure but what it was, but it, they thought he had an aneurysm somewhere in here, somewhere, somewhere. I never, I, I never met her dad. I said, well, I'll tell you what I'll do. Gail and I will come down there during the surgery, and we'll pray with him and so on and so forth. So I'm going to say that's on a Friday. 
So Friday we went down there. We was in the waiting room, and Linda said, yes, he's, he kind of turned for the worse, and uh, he's not good. And so uh, I don't even think I went back there to see him because they were going to do emergency surgery. So we sat in the waiting room and was waiting to see. And my wife was over in the corner talking to a family of about 12 or 13. And I was sitting by myself, we're talking to Greg, and she's over here in the corner talking to somebody for a long time. And so the first thing I thought was, she knew him. Because my wife is friendly. I'm not friendly. She's friendly. And, and so that went on and on a little bit, and then I, I watched tears running and watched her crying, and, and I thought she was crying, Brian, because she was missing me. And I said, I'm over here. I'm just right here, you know. And so... It was about 5 o'clock in the evening somewhere, give or take, and Gayla told me, she said, come here. And so I walk over, and, and she introduces, and, and, and there was a man and a woman, and there was some, oh, they were all in their late teens, early 20s, a couple kids maybe. And this is what Gayla told me. She said that her daughter, they live in Denison, fell out of the back of a pickup doing about 30 miles an hour. They were going somewhere. She fell out of the back of a pickup, hit her head, and she's been in this hospital six, ten days in a coma, and they're going to unplug her in one hour. And, and I, want to, I want to tell you, that you kind of keep in mind, this is 30-something years ago, and I, I kind of looked at my wife, and I thought, like, and what do you want me to do? And, and she said, Dave, Ron Edge knows, some of you guys know, they, whatever light they shine in the back, of uh, they're, 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 they're brain dead. And she'd been up for 10, 12, 13, 14 days, a long time. And she said, within an hour, they're going to unplug her. And this was on a Saturday. I know this for sure. It's on a Saturday. And, and the lady said, we would just like it. We don't go to church. And we would just appreciate it if you would just go in and pray for her. They're going to unplug her. And I said, okay. And so you kind of have to realize, I mean, I just, I just got out of the gate on this. I really don't know much about anything. I knew I loved God. And so the nurse, the ICU, came in there, the mother, and she said, this is a minister from Ardmore, and if it's okay, they had a clock in the waiting room, if it's okay, he would just like to say, and she called it a blessing prayer. So in this ICU, it's not, it's not a great big room, but it, it was a semi-circle, and, and I'll never forget, we walked in the door, and, and, and it was a glass room, but they had a curtain close, and, and the lady opened the door for me, and I'll tell you, there was, oh my goodness, well, Brian them knows, but there was every machine known to mankind hooked up on this girl. And you know what? I looked at her. She was about 18, 17, 18, maybe. I don't know, 19, I don't know. And she had one small cut right here. Right here. No stitches, nothing. And I said to myself, you know, you gotta be kidding. I'm 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 looking for I'm looking for a face that looked like a, a waffle iron's been on her. And this is what the lady said to me. She said, if you need anything, let us know. And I said, all right. And so she opens the door, and I walk in. It's just me, and I walk in. And I'm going to be real honest with you. I'm looking at her, and she's about from here to that piano from me probably. I didn't even get next to her. But I'm looking at her. And I can't tell you how long went by. I'm going to say... 15 seconds. And in that 15 seconds, there was a lot of things that was running through my mind, but praying for her was not one. 
And then I heard something. I heard someone right behind me say this. Be still. And it spooked me. It just spooked me. I don't mean I felt it in my heart like I heard the calling of God. I actually heard something say, be still. And it spooked me. And so I stood there for about 30 seconds saying nothing, doing nothing. I didn't pray for her. I didn't anoint her head with oil. I just stayed right there and never moved. But something was going on. Something was going on in that room. So you're going to say, then all of a sudden the lights came on and the monsters come on and she jumped up. That did not happen. Something happened to me. And so I sat there for about, a, I don't know, a minute, maybe two minutes, I don't know. And I remember I was weeping. I remember that. But I never even got close to her, really. Never laid a hand on her. I just, I just stood still. And I walked out the door. And I told Gail, I said, we got to go. And they shook my hand and off we went. And I carried that all the way home with me. I didn't talk about it. I got up Sunday morning to preach and I still had it in my heart. And the first thing someone asked, how's Linda's, how's Linda's dad? And I, and I truly said, I don't know, I didn't even get to see him. But I never could let go of this girl. So I didn't want to, but I did. I picked up the phone way before cell phones, I think, but I picked up the phone and I called Greg Mitchell that Sunday morning because I knew everybody at church would ask about Linda. And I said, how's the dad? I said, they did immediate surgery. He's fine. He's fine. I said, well, good. And I said, Greg, the other family that was there. And he said, she died. And I was confused. It wasn't the fact that I saw any signs of, of her getting better. It wasn't that. I just knew something happened in that room. I knew that. I knew that. So he told me, he said, no, she died. And I said, well, you tell that family. I'm, I'm very sorry. And when I hung up the phone, I did. I told God, I said, I, I'm confused. I don't understand anything. And really, I thought I was losing my mind because I definitely heard him say, be still. I heard somebody say, be still. And so I made my way through Sunday morning and th Sunday morning service and I just couldn't get it out of my craw and didn't say much. I just couldn't get out of my craw and I just couldn't let it go. I just, I just couldn't let it go. I just couldn't let it go. So I went home and that's back when we had Sunday night service and I almost thought, I'm not going to have Sunday night service because it was just... It was just like carrying sacks of concrete on me. I couldn't get past it. So I went to the church study, getting ready for Sunday night. And the phone rang. And usually the phone rings because they want to know what time church starts. Or the phone rings to tell me they're not going to be there. And I really didn't answer the phone. I didn't answer it. I didn't want to talk to nobody. So it rang again. And I answered it. And it was Philip. I said, Philip, how are you? He said, oh, we're good. He said, I just want to let you know you can tell the church tonight that he's coming home tomorrow. They're going to put him in a step down. I said, well, I appreciate that. And I said, I'll tell everybody tonight. He said, oh, yeah, by the way, she didn't die. I 
said, do what? He said, she didn't die. He said, when you left, they went to unplug her, and she woke up. And he said, I saw that room empty when I went to see Linda's daddy, and I just assumed she died. They didn't move her to the morgue. They moved her to a room. When I told you a couple weeks ago that I prayed for a calf, well, that's the reason why that I prayed for a calf, because of this story here. And I said, tell me again, Greg. He said, we went this afternoon to see Linda's dad. And those people met me and she said, I need your pastor to come back down here. I want to thank him. She didn't die. She woke up. And they made it to a private room. Now you're going to ask me the question, did I go back down there? I did not. I didn't want to interfere anything it was God now I know what you're saying well if it was me I'd have went down there and signed some autographs I understand that we'd have bought a bus and we'd have made a big old banner healing's on his way no way I said you know what I'm not I'm not going down there and ever since that moment in that hospital room I've learned to hear his voice. Some of you right now have, for the last, this year especially, you've had bread for adversity and water for affliction. Problems at home, problems with your wife, problems with your husband, problems with your finances. And the Lord said, it was me that allowed this to happen. But the day will come with your Holy Spirit, the teacher, won't be hiding behind a corner. You'll see him. And you will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way. Walk in it. So I say to you this morning that I prayed for a lot of people that passed away that I couldn't help it either way. I don't have the power over life or death. But in that hospital room, in that moment, something magically happened to me that I heard him. And I've never been the same since. It was almost like a burning bush. And once he experienced the burning bush, then the problems began. Can we say amen? But God said, I'm going to let you experience me before the problems occur. And some of you this morning would say, you know, well, God, if you love me, you wouldn't allow this to happen. He said, but I allowed you to feel my presence before you experience these afflictions. So the next few weeks, we're going to be talking about hearing him. Father, this morning that we all know what it's like to partake of the bread of adversities and the waters of afflictions. There's some people here this morning that has had more than their share of both. A lot of question marks, a lot of doubt, a lot of confusions, a lot of whys, and they all go unanswered. But this is the promise that you gave Isaiah, the day will come. It sounds too good to be true, but it's not. The day will come when we'll hear His voice. We'll hear His voice behind us. And as my son Jeremy laid upon his mother's breast, and she whispered something in his ears of him knowing no formal language, that she knew his, he knew her tone.
As Catherine sang this morning, Holy Spirit, that you are in this place. There is a reason she sung that. Father, would you just would you just whisper something to someone that's hurting this morning? Can we just feel your tones? Their whole life has been adversities and afflictions and trials and disappointments, but at this moment, can we just lay our weary body upon your, upon your chest and would you just say something to us by your Spirit? It doesn't have to make sense. Your Word declares in the book of Romans when the Holy Spirit will come, it will be utterances. It won't be English words. It won't be Spanish words. It will just be tones that is echoing from your heart to our heart. Would you just calm us? Would you just give us peace? We've been passed around our whole life. And our soul can find no rest until my soul finds rest in you. So this morning, Father, we've learned that wherever you go and whatever we face, that you'll speak to us. And it may not change the outcome, but it changed me that day. I know your voice. And we are going to follow you this morning. allergies stand with me this morning if you would please how sad it would be for you to go through your whole Christian experience and never know his voice you just try to know him logically scientifically Logic and science comes involved, but nothing takes the place of just knowing His voice. So you don't have to join hands if you don't want to, but I would appreciate it if maybe you lay a hand on someone's shoulder. There's two things about embracing. It's called affection and protection. Affection is that we love you and concerned about you, and protection is I'm here for you. But that person that you have hold of, they may be in dire need this morning to hear something from God. So for the next 20 seconds, we're just going to allow God to speak to our hearts. Say some things to you. Bring peace to a troubled home. Bring happiness to a discouraged heart. to reignite the fire that seems to be extinguished for your love and excitement for God, knowing His voice. Thank you, Father. Heal our hearts, heal our minds, heal our bodies. Heal our emotions. Give us peace and rest. In Jesus' name, amen. Give the Lord a praise offering this morning, if you would, please, huh? God is good all the time. Communion servers, if you'll please come this morning. We said the visible signs and tracks was through these, these sacred ornaments, these 
the last things that he instructed us was the, the bread and the cup. That's what he instructed us. They were visible signs and tracks. He said the bread and the cup is an indicator that you're on the right path. But I will tell you the day will come that when you take the bread and the cup and you'll hear him, things will change. That night Jesus sat with his disciples and he took the bread and the cup and he said for 1,500 years you've been celebrating this this ordinance, the unleavened bread, the bread that was made without leaven, without sin. But Jesus said, now then my body is the bread of life that knew no sin. And every time that you celebrate this broken bread, you're celebrating my vicarious life, my sinless life that was broken for you. Then he took the cup and he said, this cup has been an ordinance that you've celebrated for 1,500 years. It's the lamb's blood of Exodus. You take the blood of a sacrificial lamb and you sprinkle upon the doorpost in the shape of a cross and the death angel passes over you. But Jesus said, now then, it's a different lamb's blood. He said, it's my shed blood for the forgiveness of the world. And I'll sprinkle it in the shape of a cross. And death will have no hold over you. And as often as you take this cup, and partake of this bread, do it. Because it will remind you of me. Father, bless this cup. And bless this bread. And as we pursue you, it'll help us to remind us of you. In Jesus' name. Amen.